so Mark chapter 16. Um, so uh, people listening, we've got a bunch more people in this room. We usually have like six people around, maybe seven people around the table. And we I don't even know. It's a lot. It's like 15, 20. Lord knows. Um, so we have a we have a community reading plan that we're on that we get out of the it's called the Moravian text. It's a daily reading plan for the Bible that's existed for almost five hundred years, and so that's what we're using. And we're currently going through um, half of the New Testament this year, and so we just slowly read through it. And I do a little bit of teaching on it, and so we've done all of Matthew, and we are on the very last chapter of Mark today. So this is Mark chapter sixteen to catch you up. Jesus just died. So, verse 1 of Mark 16. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome bought spices so they may go to anoint Jesus' body. Very early on the first day of the week, just after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb, and they asked each other, who will roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb so they can, like, dress up his body? But when they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. Don't be alarmed, he said. You are looking for Jesus the Nazarene who was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. But go, tell his disciples and Peter, he is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him, just as he told you. Trembling and bewildered, the women went out and fled from the tomb. They said nothing to anyone because they were afraid. Now, what does it say right there if you're reading? Do y'all see what it says next? Mm-hmm. What does it say? Yeah, it says the earliest manuscripts and some other ancient witnesses do not have Mark 16, 9 through 20. So what that essentially means is, um, so Mark is, um, is sort of distantly related to the disciple Peter. So this book is all of Peter's accounts of what happened. Uh, it's the earliest gospel that we have, and it is, for the most part, like eyewitness accounts. Um, as best we know, like, that's actually where the original gospel ends. So what comes next, which is Jesus got up, and he appears to all of these people, and he's walking through walls, and this, that, and the other. While they're definitely all in the original gospels of the other ones, they're not in Mark. Um, and so the very, this is, I think this is, so we're actually going to stop there. We're not going to read the rest of that piece because what I want us to do is to think through um, sort of like the implications of what that would mean if the gospel ends there um, in the way that people would be experiencing it. Um, so you have, you have this, this story of Jesus being resurrected, but the way that the story ends is not that Jesus isn't resurrected. It is that Jesus is resurrected. But what we see is this last verse, trembling and bewildered, the women went out and fled from the tomb. They said nothing to anyone because they were afraid. Um, Now, I want you to imagine that you're reading this book and let's say it's 15 years or you're hearing this book read aloud. It's 15 years later. And that's the last verse that you hear. Um, it's, It's this strange thing where that's the last verse that you hear. And yet, like you're sitting here with a group of people who all believe this stuff, but the thing ends with, and no one told anyone. Um, like it's this very strange reality. Does that make sense? Like, and yet here you are with a group of people who have all heard this, despite the fact that the story ends with no one told anyone. 
Um, and if you if you kind of take a couple of steps back, in many ways, this is what you see over and over and over again, like in the Bible, which is people experience something, they're told to do something with it, and they don't. And so rinse and repeat. People experience something of God, they're told to do something with it, and then they don't. One more time, like we'll rinse it again. Now we've made our way to like Genesis 5. God does something, people are told to do something with it, and they don't. And it just happens over and over and over again. And in some way, like, it seems very fitting that, like, our experience of humanity, like, right after the resurrection, is that they experience something of God, they're told to do something, and they don't. Um, And yet, like, the good news of Jesus is that it is not dependent on us. Mm -hmm. Um, Despite the fact that they have this unbelievable experience, like, these women go away, and they, they, like, they don't tell anyone. Um, now, I think they eventually told someone because we have other gospels that said that they did. But the way that this gospel ends is like with this giant, yeah, but God. Like eventually they got the courage to say something. Eventually something happened. But what the Bible is going to make clear over and over and over again is that it is not your courage. It is not your strength. It is not your boldness. It is the spirit that lives within you that will do that. Because if you are left to your own devices, you will experience God he will tell you to do something and you won't. Like that's what we choose over and over and over. And that is the story of my life. It is probably the story of your life. And it is just the story of the Bible over and over and over again. Um, and the good news of Jesus is though that we, we find ourselves in this place day after day after day um, of, of experiencing him. And sometimes we do something with it and sometimes we don't. Like he continues to be faithful despite our unfaithfulness. Um, and so I, I just imagine like what a reading would be like in Jerusalem or a reading would be like in Antioch or Philippi or wherever the church would be. Um, and they're, they're reading the end of this. They finally have their hands on a written gospel, which didn't exist for at least 10 years. There was, it was all just oral, people telling people things. Um, and their first reading, finally, a first documented story, first person account of Jesus as told by Peter, one of his favorites is that no one told anything. And yet, and yet we're still sitting here. Um, and long term, someone told someone who told someone who told someone who told someone who told someone, and given enough time, we've all found ourselves in this room, which only again says, like, this is how faithful God is, that despite our constant unfaithfulness, um, his love doesn't waver for us. And so, like, the, the invitation, I think, for us today is to actually rest in that love, Uh, But also to say, like, I actually want to be a faithful person. Like, I don't want to, just because I have this track record of unfaithfulness and just because I acknowledge the reality that without the Holy Spirit, I'm kind of done in. um, I do have the Spirit. Um, And what it is that he's doing is he's changing my heart to crave his ways um, and to live faithfully. And he's going to give me the power to do the things that outside of him I could never do. So I feel like that's our invitation today. It's also our invitation to do as Jesus did, to do as God did, which is um, in the midst of people hurting us, in the midst of people being unfaithful to us, in the midst of people doing things to us, in the midst of people letting us down, will we continue to be faithful friends and family to them? Because we aren't, we aren't just the recipients of God's love, we get to be the bearers of it as well. So that's our text for today.